First Curious, the podcast of new poetry reviews. I'm Benjamin Landry. I'd like to take a moment before this episode to ask a favor. If you appreciate the work of Verse Curious in bringing you news of exceptional poetry, please take a second to scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and leave a five-star rating. Doing so will help others discover Verse Curious for themselves, and will also help more readers discover these excellent collections of poetry. Thanks so much. And now, on to the episode. Taken down from the bookshelf today is Exploding Head by Cynthia Marie Hoffman, published by Persia Books in February 2024. I will admit that I spent the holiday in a comfortable little house at the top of a hill ringed with barns and rolling acres of pasture. Black Angus cattle nosed up to the fences, or else dispersed into dark cedar groves at the edge of our knowing. I did not think about Ukraine, or Gaza, or the far-right winners of elections, except for brief stretches, a reprieve from the anxiety and adrenaline that stalks me on most news days. I felt by turns guilty, oversatiated, and restored, knowing all the while that there are increasingly fewer people in this turbulent world who have the good fortune to experience this sense of ease. Most of the time, some degree of self-deception and forgetting is necessary to our functional operation in the world. If we really thought about our perilous future in a degraded climate, for instance, who among us would get out of bed and go to work? Enter Exploding Head, the collection of prose poems by Cynthia Marie Hoffman detailing the author's life experience with obtrusive thoughts and obsessive-compulsive disorder. Hoffman divulges a vast regimen of rituals she invented and pursued from a young age in an attempt to assuage her fears. She reminds herself in the poem, This is All True. Look directly at the sun. Touch your eyeball once a day. Bite a hole in your cheek. Run to bed and lie perfectly still beneath the quilt before the toilet stops flushing. Something will happen if you don't. The young Hoffman discovers that the four sides of a window pane and collections of seven have particular power over her, a power she disperses by acknowledging and counting their multiples. She clarifies, the rules are, if you don't count, you die. And while most of us will admit to having experienced irrational fears as children, Hoffman's visions are particularly gruesome, vivid, and pervasive. Most crucially, the visions do not evaporate, with the passing of adolescence. Hoffman sees a threatening figure in the shadowed corners of rooms. The ice of a lake gives way. Fire erupts without an incipient spark, engulfing her otherwise peacefully sleeping daughter. Solid surfaces go molten. Menacing strangers materialize, and the speaker is shot and stabbed repeatedly. And although an official diagnosis seems to offer the possibility of adaptation, the prescribed exposure treatment whereby the speaker is induced to envision these obtrusive thoughts repeatedly in order to drain them of power, at first merely offers admission to a new level of hell. Hoffman walks around in her private apocalypse. The language of revelations is apt in that Hoffman's OCD is at root an alternate belief system over which she has no outright control. She's surveilled and stalked by a figure she refers to as an angel, described in the poem Recording Angel as a tower of eyes, tall as a man. If the angel hears your dreams, 
He doesn't brush even the worst of them away. He lets them chew like moths on the ruffles of your brain. Hoffman continues, You have read the miniature Holy Bible with the magnifying glass the neighbor boys used to raise smoke from the backs of ants. The angel has no eyelids, nothing to blink with. Under the blanket, arms pressed between your legs, you grip tightly to your feet, so you can't be unfolded and led into the fire as you sleep. The angel, a monster out of a del Toro feature, embodies the terror of unceasing vision, judgment, and under his nightly direction, the protagonist of these poems writhes and burns. The intercession of these menacing, demonic angels also means that the speaker interprets divine signs everywhere. In Angel Number 7, she writes, As soon as you could count, seven clouds appeared in the water trough. Seven guinea hens are taken by the coyote. Goats faint. Deep-water fish slow their heart rates until they are undetectable. Horses spook and run into the fence, tearing open a shoulder to reveal an omen of seven cracks in the scapula. In Hoffman's world, perception is invocation, and with it comes a tremendous burden for a child, keeping things in order and alive through the power of one's attention. The curtains hide the corners of the window, goes the poem entitled, It Starts. But you know they are there, just as you know the minnows are there in the cool water. Everything is all right. The pattern of your counting makes four. Here the child Hoffman is an anxious director, whose mind already operates on the play of language, minnow in window. Even if the organizing conceit is a threatening entropy, Hoffman infuses the inanimate world with meaning. The music of language is opening up, she notes in another poem. The speaker is simultaneously made object in a terrifying vision and subject to a hallucinatory existence only she can control through power of will and arcane ritual. For some, this is getting religion. For others, it is the process of becoming a poet. The loneliness of Hoffman's vision is the most striking aspect of this collection. In keeping thoughts of her own mortality at bay, the child speaker decamps to the graveyard, recalling, You have your own game, and you must play it quietly in your mind, just as the dead must swim in the field alone, each in their own rectangular pool. As a child, Hoffman senses that her perception would not be welcomed, understood, or shared by others. And as an adult, she continues to have troubling visions, even, for instance, while lying otherwise comfortably beside her husband in bed. Although the terrorizing angels fade in recent years, in many ways Hoffman remains the self-described haunted girl, haunted of mind. No place seems entirely secure. A house becomes, quote, the house inside the house, the secret circular window that opens to an ocean, a room of ornate wooden chairs, a giant moth gliding down the hall in an evening gown. In this room, all the black spots on your humid heart are bristling into a furry mold. The house, that symbol of universal comfort, is always for Hoffman a matryoshka doll opening into a chasm of increasing unknowability. It makes sense that Hoffman chose the prose poem as her medium, the anxiety and pressure engendered by the next intrusive thought seems always to be building 
at the cloistered margins of unrelieved text. When she becomes a mother, Hoffman worries that her troubling visions and OCD will be passed on to her child. In the haunted lullaby, Blood Moon, she addresses herself. You wear the blood-red curtain like a cloak of blood, a long blood mane, exposed as the wild and frightened animal you are. It is a vision that puts me in mind of Aubrey Beardsley. Nothing stays whole forever, the poem continues, but this child, swaddled in blankets, is without a scratch tonight, and easily returned to her dreams. The bloodshot eye has closed, and you should sleep now, too. The child is unaffected. Whereas Hoffman slept terrified under her blankets, this sleeping child luxuriates in safety, kicking off blankets and sheets at will. For this child, there are no pestering angels. Why do we need this poetry now? In Exploding Head, Cynthia Marie Hoffman shares troubling, resplendent, indelible visions. These poems seem especially germane to our current time, where America's casual relationship with violence seems to have reached a sort of apotheosis. Anyone who has worried about their child's experience of heightened anxiety as a result of actor-shooter drills will see a part of themselves in Hoffman's chronicles of motherhood and exposure therapy. Hoffman adapts to her neurodivergent experience of the world through treatment, and the terrorizing angel of the early pages eventually dissipates. This brings its own worry, as she recalls in Transference. At night you lie in bed, afraid the angel that has never left you has left you. Rather than see the world through our now useless neuroses, one is confronted by the project of reconstruction, to seize happiness from among the many despairing options. After all, Hoffman writes, a great many things will happen to you, but none of the things you are afraid of. That's it for this episode of Verse Curious. Much gratitude to Dever Sedell for our theme music, with production assistance from Ryan Miller. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts at the bottom of the page and help others discover Verse Curious through the magic of the algorithm. Also, please subscribe, share, and consider donating via the button on the Verse Curious Red Circle homepage with my thanks in advance. See you next time. Thank you.